0: You join me in prayer. Dear Lord, we thank you for this time, for this place, for these people, and for this purpose. Guide our hearts toward wisdom and love for all of our neighbors. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. So, for a long time, I did not think I was qualified to pursue ministry because I had never heard the audible voice of God speak to me, which, for a number of you, might seem like a weird qualification, um, but I was raised in churches where folks claimed to hear the voice of God correctly, specifically pastors and leaders, so folks like Rob would give a sermon. And it would become clear that their call had not just been affirmed by mentors and friends like mine has, or like many of my friends at the seminaries has, but that they had had their call affirmed by God's self. (laughs) I remember they would tell these stories, and this happened more than once, where they would say things like, you know, I was trying to figure out who I was. I was growing into adulthood, and I was dealing with maybe broken family dynamics or hurt relationships. I struggled with addiction, I could not figure out what my purpose was. I was completely lost. And then I was driving down the road. Often they were driving. I don't, I don't know why. But they were driving. And from the passenger seat of my car, I heard God say to me, Preach the good news. Serve my church. Or simply, you were loved. Now, I don't want to quibble with those sentiments, right, because I agree with that. Those are things that people have told me, and I've been grateful to hear that from folks in my life. I think those are noble tasks, but I remember as a young person sitting in the pew, paying just kind of slightly more attention than my other friends, I remember being frustrated and wanting to say, you know, that whole story was really relatable until you said, I heard the voice of God say whatever was to follow, right? Has anyone been with me there? that when someone says they've heard the voice of God directly, it tends to make the rest of us feel rather underqualified or unspiritual or lacking a certain kind of piety, at least in my experience, which developed a kind of complex in me that I'm probably still working through. But often these direct encounters with these pastors, when they would talk about directly encountering God, the thing that I struggled with is it seemed like they then were able to speak their words with divine authority. And then further, when they would fail ethically or morally or relationally, all of us were left wondering what to do with that authoritative word that we had heard from God but through them. I know for me, it's probably left kind of a lasting question in my head of what I'm supposed to believe about the word of God or the revelation of Jesus if it can so easily be co-opted by broken selfish vessels. And I bring this up today because our, praf- our passage is about prophets, and these are spiritual teachers in the scriptures that are called to speak a message that they hear from God to the people of God. And I think for a lot of us, it gives that same queasy feeling I used to get when my pastors would say God spoke to them from the passenger seat of their car driving down I-5 in Oregon. Because our experience says that when someone claims a direct encounter with the divine, they may very well use it to hold power over the rest of us. Or they may see it as kind of a resource for getting them out of trouble, a kind of -of get-out-of-jail-free card, right? Because if I'm up here with authority and I say something to you, it's not really my fault because I'm not saying it, God's saying it. Just walk away slowly, everything will be fine. But the thing is, at least in terms of the Bible, when someone has a direct line to God, or when someone is a prophet in the scriptural sense, it doesn't tend to get them out of trouble, it tends to get them into trouble. Being a prophet or being chosen as a prophet in the scriptures is not a sign of your social and political power, it's actually a sign that you lack that cachet. And it's this realization that forced me to realize that many of my pastors growing up actually didn't read the scriptures very closely because the prophets often did not have the following that my pastors sought to have by claiming this kind of prophetic posture. The prophets didn't focus on controlling people through God's word, but instead on liberating them. The inspiration and wisdom of the prophets was rarely recognized, and for sure the political leaders and the head of the empire at the time did not respect what the prophets were saying. Prophets were not popular, they were often unbalanced, not very moderate, sometimes viewed as a little crazy, but most of all, at least for me, what I've always taken to be the most significant thing about the prophets is they've had a keen ability to notice the moral stakes in our everyday decisions. Prophets, contemporary prophets, realize that our souls are not lost only if we march with the KKK, but if we fail to fight white supremacy in the confines of our family gatherings, our small groups, our jokes among friends. Rabbi Abraham Joshua Heschel Um, was known for marching with Dr. King during the civil rights movement, Um, is also a spiritual teacher, and wrote a lot about prophets. And there's a quote that he has written a while back that's always been meaningful to me, so I'm just going to read it in in length a little bit. He says, to us, so us being regular folks, non-prophetic people, so, to us, a single act of injustice... Cheating in business, a small exploitation of the poor, is a slight offense. But to the prophets, it's a disaster. To us, injustice is injurious to the welfare of the people. But to the prophets, it is a death blow to existence. To us, it's an episode. To them, it's a catastrophe, a threat to the world. To the prophets, even a minor injustice assumes cosmic proportions. And for me, a middle-class white guy that gets paid to talk in front of people from time to time, I can't help feeling like Heschel's kind of sending that one my way a little bit, giving me some side-eye, because a single act of injustice, a small exploitation of the poor, is only small if you are not poor, right? If you're on the negative end of economic inequality in this country, if you define your plan, your week, so that you can find a proper work-rest balance as opposed to making sure you have enough meals for your family's survival, then no small exploitation of the poor is actually small or slight. And it brings me back to the Deuteronomy passage that we're reading today that talks about the prophet. And what I think is powerful when the passage says, the Lord your God will raise up for you a prophet. It does not say the Lord God has already raised up someone who will be your prophet. It does not say that the Lord calls you to look up to your leaders in order to hear a prophetic word. No, it says God will raise up for you a prophet. It assumes that the person with prophetic wisdom has not already been raised up by society. It turns our attention away from prestige and influence, pulpits and banquet tables, and toward... The word of God that comes from the neighborhood, from the local advocate, for maybe the community organizer that doesn't come in from the outside to do work, but works from within a community that is struggling. It may be that the implicit message behind this passage is that God has to raise up prophets because the people that have been raised up by society cannot be trusted as a source of wisdom. For me, the prophets are a reminder that the more power and influence we have, whether it's economic or political, social, local, the more power we have, the less likely it is that a prophetic word will penetrate our heart. I can't help but think of a quote by Barbara Brown Taylor when she says, what kind of revelations are we missing in this world when we insist on walking upright while so much of life happens closer to the ground? When we talk about prophetic wisdom, when we talk about divine revelation, we so often put it up in the rafters of high places when Jesus seems to be reminding us, I've been on the ground floor with the people the entire time. And I think this passage can be helpful because if I'm honest, I think that for a lot of us, we have a hard time saying that God's message should have authority because that's so often been tied to the authority of the most privileged folks in our world. God's power has been tied to the power of the most dominant regimes in people that we don't necessarily want to affirm that correlation. So we end up asking, how can we talk about the good news of Jesus without meaning that that's good news for the people that have all, are already benefiting the most? And that's a good concern to have. That's a concern I have, and I don't want to affirm that correlation. But I do think that if this passage leads us, passage where God is raising up prophets, If the wisdom of God is found closer to the ground, or if the good news can be understood in the context of those who struggle towards survival, then believing God's word has authority means listening to our neighbors who don't. It's a kind of inversion of the way that maybe the church has historically talked about where we go to find prophetic wisdom. Now, this is where I'm, I admittedly take a turn. <laughs> and I say that I think it's important for me to note that it's not lost on me that this is the first sermon that I am sharing with you after this community has gotten some pretty difficult news, right? That Pastor Rob and Kathy will be transitioning from this community after 25 years of powerful and to stick with the theme, prophetic Christian leadership in this community. And so far, I've been encouraging us to seek out the wisdom of God, to seek out prophets maybe in unfamiliar places, amongst people and communities that will challenge those authoritative and dominating voices that tend to be the loudest in our world, And that even in churches, I can say for many people, at least of my generation, that even in churches, sometimes the need to find prophetic voices outside the church is because we've only experienced unhealthy leadership within the church. That we maybe have had pastors like the ones that I had growing up that said, I speak for God, and so you have to trust me, when deep inside I knew, I'm not sure I can trust you. But... When you have the gift of wise leadership in a church, when we've been given by the grace of God, a pastor who has pointed us toward the wisdom of God, toward love and compassion and not away from it, when a spiritual leader proves that they are trustworthy with our hearts and minds and energies, we cannot help but continue to look to them for wisdom, right? It feels a little less necessary, maybe, to find these places way out in the wilderness for spiritual teachers. When a pastor shows us that their actions have integrity and maturity, we don't experience the same need for finding a prophet away from the faith community. When for 25 years this pulpit has been a faithful expression of a gospel that is truly good news for everyone, then we will continue to go there to hear the message God intends for us. And we should. That's the right thing to do. But we are now entering into some unknown times, I think. We're moving into a period in the life of this community where we must reconsider how we discover God's prophetic wisdom. The likely outcome, and I want to say this because I really believe this the likely outcome is that whatever leaders take the helm in a church like this for years and generations to come is going to encourage a fruitful affirmation of our vocation and calling. No knowing. <laughs> but that's my starting place, is that assumption. But in the meantime, as we consider what transition is going to mean for us, we have the opportunity to explore the dynamic, and diverse, and sometimes disturbing ways that God speaks in the world. Similar to those dynamic, diverse, and disturbing ways that God spoke through the prophets. I can't help but feel like we're being called to embrace a spiritual gift of discernment. One that pushes past the religious elites to find the voice of one crying in the wilderness, One that says, hold on to wealthy Christians who just happen to run for office and how can I be used to those people on the margins that are speaking their spiritual truth about what it really feels like to live a Christian life in this country or this state or this county or this neighborhood. A kind of discerning posture that admits we might need help finding prophets in our world because our divine radar or our life experience Keeps us from knowing how to do that very quickly. And we are going to do this not because it's the plan B to Rob and Kathy's leadership. We do it because it's the most faithful action in light of what they have taught us. That God's grace is large enough for everyone, that hospitality has no bounds. And that all of us, especially the least of us, deserve to be listened to as if God's self was the one speaking, just like God spoke through the prophets. So let us go in grieving and yet hopeful peace. Let us go in discernment. Let us work to raise up prophets from the depths, And proclaim a word of good news that is not just good news for us, but is good news for the outermost reaches of our world. Let us pray. Dear Lord, we thank you for this time, for this place, for these people, and for this purpose. This is not an easy time for a local community. And we are forced to get familiar with change again at a time where maybe we didn't want to do that. I know I didn't. (laughs) But Lord, we follow your lead toward a broader vision, a larger purpose, toward a care for our neighbors that includes our current leaders, our former leaders, our future leaders, that pushes the boundaries of what our neighborhoods are so that when we talk about neighbors, it is less limited than it was the day before. We pray that you inspire us to put our legs to action when our words aren't quite at the place of being able to motivate us. May you remind us that what we believe is not only what matters, but how what we do is connected to that belief. May you encourage us to do this not only with pain that some of us may be feeling, but with joy, with thankfulness, with gratefulness, that joy comes in the morning. But the reason we need the morning is because there may have been a long night for a while. And so we go forward into this town and into this place ready to think deeply in community, to not take this time and this purpose on individually, but instead to talk with one another, to encourage one another, to pray with one another, and to strategize about what our community is in light of the mission of God and the gospel of Jesus in this time of Lord God, we continue to lift up those in our community that have been on our hearts. Some for weeks, some for days, some for hours. We continue to lift up Cynthia, Katie, Steve. We pray for Kathy Boxall. We pray for Alexis. And in her youth, her difficult health struggle with cancer we pray for Elaine who is still figuring out how to support children and family and pets despite a brain tumor we're thankful for a reminder of the wildlife of the grace and the life that you give to this world outside of our human neighbors And we pray that that is another reminder of the broadness of your mercy and the breadth of your care. And so, God, we enter into a time of silent prayer and reflection, asking that those prayers and needs that have not been voiced are at least articulated to you and maybe, hopefully, can be shared in community so that needs can be met by those we sit next to every Sunday morning. And we pray as the Lord taught us to pray. Our God... We will receive the morning offering.